Afroverdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. This is your host, Victor Anakin, and welcome to another episode of Afro Verdict, where I talk to Africa's experts, youth, and prominent figures to keep you, our listeners, up to date on what's going on around the world and on the continent through the African voice, the African opinion, and the African verdict. In honor of Nelson Mandela's inauguration, today we have two guests who witnessed the events of May 10th, 1994. Peter Hamilton, a former South African Defense Force veteran during the 80s and 90s, who at the time of the first democratic elections was carrying out patrol operations in the urban areas of the Northern Cape of South Africa to prevent civil disorder. Our second guest is Sepiwet Lomo, a South African businessman and entrepreneur who is also a clan relative of Nelson Mandela through the Abatembo tribe. Mr. Hamilton, welcome. It is a pleasure to have you here with us today. Please introduce yourself to our audience. Hello, listeners. My name is Peter Hamilton. I'm a 52-year-old male, white South African, born and raised in Johannesburg, South Africa. I'd like to introduce myself as uh, being someone that was basically an observer to great events in this country. And uh, at the time, of the inauguration of Mr. Mandela as our first democratically elected president, I found myself in a situation that was rather tense and unique. Well, not so unique because there were many young men of my age that were sharing the same experience. And I shall go into great detail as to what I experienced during the course of the events that took place and the tectonic changes that took place in this country. It was a, a time of great turmoil and uh, of great anxiety for a lot of people on all sides of the spectrum that make up the different races and linguistic groups, as well as the uh, different cultural groups that reside in this great country of ours. And uh, I think that if it were not for Mr. Mandela and his policies, that we were on a trajectory that would have been horrific in the sense of a great tragedy that could possibly have occurred in the form of a civil war or even worse. So uh, to call it a election would be not giving enough credence to or would not carry enough weight in that terminology to call it an election. It was more than that. It was a complete change. It was a an absolute revolution in the way in which people thought and the way in which people viewed each other as human beings, black, white, colored, whatever race you might have belonged to, because in those days we were allocated to racial groups. And uh, it was a very tense and emotional metamorphosis that this country had to go through. Could you paint us a picture of South Africa at that time? What was going on? South Africa was at that time as I said, a very divided country and uh, with the, the different influences that came in from all over the world, primarily British influence during the early 19th century that changed the course of our history. It was in fact the British that is introduced apartheid uh, with their policies of racial segregation and treating African people as second-class citizens and that was later adopted by the Afrikaner government. And it was basically extrapolated upon and turned into what we term, we called petty apartheid, which was actually a great injustice on individual freedom and individual choice. 
Black South Africans were second-class citizens. They were treated with absolute disdain. And the children that were brought up in, under that system, both black and white, were indelibly changed. And it was not of their own will and accord, but because of the circumstances they found themselves in. I myself, as a white South African, was uh, militarized from a young age. At the age of 16, I was signed up into the army. They actually came to our school and we were told that you have to register. And of course, every single person of my age, male person of that of my age, was called to do the same thing. And we had no choice. It was that where you go to jail for two years or whatever the sentence was. I can't quite recall. But it wasn't a choice. And of course, the educational system and the background to how we grew up, it was all formative in the sense that we had two great fears in life. One was what we called in Afrikaans, die rooi gevaar, which translates to the red danger, the communist danger. The second one was die swart gevaar, which translates to the black danger. And this was drummed into us from an early age. We never really were given or afforded the opportunity to interact with people of different cultures. We were aware of it, but we weren't really allowed to interact with people on a personal level. It was them and us. That's how it was. And they were to be feared. And this was a mindset. This was the attitude that basically caused the conflict and the hatred and all of the nastiness that went along with apartheid. It was a, like I said earlier, a great injustice. And Mr. Mandela, with his ANC party, African National Congress at the time, did this country a great service, in my opinion, in helping to unite all the different cultures and all of the different people with their different perspectives in calling for peace. When Mr. Mandela came up onto the podium, he didn't call for violence or retribution, he called for peace. And that is something that was probably the greatest relief in the heart and mind of all white South Africans at the time. And can you recall for us the events of the 10th of May in 1994? Where were you at the time and what was taking place in your life? Just prior to the elections or the inauguration, which took place straight after the elections, there was a period of great uncertainty and the military wasn't sure which direction they were going to head, to be honest. I mean, I was called up to do a camp. I'd done my two years national service and then thereafter I had to do camps, which were compulsory. And during the election period or leading up to the election, I was called up from work. I was told, this is an emergency. You need to now go back to the army. And I was put into a unit, a specialized unit in uh, Kimberley, where we operated from. And uh, we were to we were trained with helicopters and you know, we had to do all of our preparations, preparing for the worst. Because the officers that were higher up, I was a sergeant at the time, platoon sergeant, were convinced that we were going to be faced with a potential civil war situation. And uh, I remember the, the soldiers that were with me and my troops that were under my command were all very tense. We were expecting the worst and we heard about bombs going off in Pretoria and in certain areas surrounding the townships, which were actually bombs that had been planted by the extreme right, disgruntled Afrikaners that were intent on disrupting the elections. And this caused great concern for us in the sense that we felt that we were away from our families and we couldn't protect them. We were really expecting the worst. When I say the worst, we were expecting to see a bloodbath. And I must say we were pleasantly surprised. Once the elections took place and the results started filtering through, there was this 
the sense of relief almost amongst the short soldiers that I was with. We were, like I said, on tender hooks, expecting the worst and preparing ourselves to, you know, once again see things that we really didn't want to see. And I remember the day that the results were finalized and we had a parade. And on this parade ground, we were standing there. It was a whole battalion of us, battalion strength, a thousand men. We're standing on this parade ground and they lowered the flag, the old South African flag, and they raised the new South African flag. And there was a, the anthem playing and there was an announcement by the commanding officer at the time. And what was remarkable was that I would say 90% of the soldiers that were on the parade ground saluted the new flag. I was expecting at least 40% to 50% of them to turn their backs on it. But that wasn't the case. It was a reflection indeed of what people really wanted deep down. They wanted peace. They wanted reconciliation. And even as soldiers, this is what we wanted. We were prepared to serve the government of the day. And that was an oath that we took to serve the government of the day, and no matter what government it was. And I think that really what really lent a lot of what put a lot of weight behind us was our discipline. The fact that our soldiers were so well trained and so disciplined that we followed orders to the T, regardless of what our political beliefs were, we still carried out our duties. There were guys there that were extreme right wing among us, but they still followed orders. They didn't question orders. And this is something I must say, and it needs to be remembered that if it wasn't for that discipline and for that respect that was drilled into us to recognize authority and to respect authority and to look up to our elders, if you want to put it in another way, the people that knew better than us, we, if it wasn't for that, we could have had a disaster in this country. And I must say that discipline in the military was very important. And I saw it. I saw it firsthand. I saw how the guys had this internal conflict, but they still carried out their duties and they did it in a in a fair and impartial manner. So, you know, from, from that perspective, I must say as a sergeant serving at the time, I must say thank you guys for everything that you did and for serving your country and for making sure that there was a peaceful transition. And that is what actually made the big difference besides the fact that Mr. Mandela came up there and he preached peace. The fact that he got up there and he said, we need to work together, we need to forget the past and we need to forgive one another. That is what actually, in combination with the dedication of our armed forces and the dedication of our police service, that in combination with the general consensus of the population that enough was enough and we needed to find a solution to this issue that we had in this country, which has been ongoing for decades, that all culminated in a miracle, a miracle that serves us till this day, where we stand together as one nation looking to each other to find solutions for the problems that we face, which are many and numerous. We're going through a tumultuous times here once again with problem with our crime and a problem with our electricity supply. And you know, there's a number of things, economics, all sorts of things that, that come into play. But as South Africans, we are united and we are united in looking for solutions to these problems. And for that, I have to thank Mr. Mandela. If I were to see him in person one day, I would thank him. I'd say thank you, sir, for everything that he did for us and for bringing us to the table and allowing us to have an opinion, no matter where we came from. And tell us, how is Mandela's inauguration remembered in South Africa today? Were Mr. Mandela alive today, I think he would probably have quite a bit to say. And I would say that some of it would be rather severe in the sense that he would reprimand us for a lot of the things that we've done are now looking towards the politicians. And I would say that 
as a people, he would guide us. He was a fatherly figure and we all respected him. I respected him. My fellow soldiers respected him. And while he was president, we saw golden years in this country. We saw all sorts of things taking place. It was a euphoria in a sense. But that euphoria has unfortunately passed on. And we now need to look for our true purpose. And we need to remember his legacy. And we need to apply it. And we also need to look into ourselves and realize that it is not always the leader's words that matter, but the intent that he had. And that we need to carry with us and in our hearts and make sure that we never repeat the same mistakes of the past. We should never be in a situation, like he said, where one group dominates another. And this is very important because once that happens, you will see division and you will see strife. And this is what we need to avoid at all costs. We need to look at each other's equals. We need to respect each other's brothers and sisters. We need to look into ourselves and we need to look to the future as a united people and not as individuals of different castes and colors and religions with our own little objectives that are self-serving and selfish. We need to look at the whole picture. We need to look where we're going at all the children of this country, the unborn as well as the newly born and those that are old, those that are experienced, those that have lived through the suffering. We need to look at all of this and melt it down and turn it into a united front. Now we have Sipiwe Dlomo on the line, who just so, by the way, relates to Nelson Mandela through the Madiba clan of the Abatembu tribe. Mr. Dlomo, welcome. Please tell our listeners who you are. My name is Sipiwe Dlomo. I'm an entrepreneur in South Africa. Good day to everyone. What do you call your Afro-Vedic listeners? Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's good to be here and good day. Thank you. Tell us, how are you related to Nelson Mandela and why were you there at that event? Yeah, 94 is quite a long time, but, but I remember very well. As you are well aware that I'm from the Matiba clan and, you know, being I had to be part of uh, the occasion. I was there somewhere in the mix. And yeah, it, it was a very memorable, sorry, memorable day for us as South Africans, as Black South Africans to be specific. And yeah, I was, I was part of the crowd that was at the union building. Right. Just just explain to our listeners, what does it mean to be part of the Madiba clan? It comes with a lot of pressure, I must say. You know, as the royal family anywhere in the world, there are expectations and you have to come across as being a role model. And I think that's what Nelson Mandela had to say in, in all his life. He wasn't a perfect being, but, you know, he tried to be a leader that everyone or anyone expects of him. So there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. The royal family, as you are well aware, in the in UK and anywhere in the world, you know, you're seen as a savior or you're seen as this superhuman person and which sometimes, you know, it, it, I feel it's unfair because we're all human, we all make mistakes and we learn from those mistakes. But yeah, it puts a lot of pressure, I would say. All right. And what was your personal reaction to Mandela's inauguration? I'm going to start with the, which is what makes the Madiba or the Batembu clan, you know, one of the clans in, in South Africa. The, the praise singers. Uh, I think there was a gentleman by the name of uh, Zolane um, Kiva. He was a praise, was very young at that time. And how he was praising Madiba and, and his reaction, you know, watching his face as uh, he was uh, going on doing his thing, that for me, you know, it, it just said something, you know, and and uh, the authenticity of 
the actual event itself and and, and seeing you know different colors of uh, uh, people different tradition different uh, backgrounds of people there that international uh, uh, guests and so on you know it just was an affirmation that uh, some of us you know that were involved in a struggle and some and and our grandfathers as well that were were fighting for liberation in South Africa uh, that day came and we realized it we saw it with our black with our eyes we celebrated and uh, I must say you know we are pinching ourselves because we never saw that day coming at any given point in our lifetime well no I can imagine of course what is the importance of this event for the people of South Africa understanding that the atrocities that happened during apartheid era uh, you know the segregation that that happened then and the the, the, the enforcement of uh, apartheid laws uh, towards a certain uh, part of uh, the community, the scars, you know, people have been traumatized over the years. And that day uh, for a lot of South Africans was a day that they never thought would come, you know, and uh, and the celebratory mode that uh, uh, everyone had, you know, and I know it, it, it had uh, an impact everywhere in the world because, you know, Mandela, I mean, uh, he's an icon and, uh, and him, being there and uh, throughout and from, uh, you know, the days they got arrested during the Vona trial um, to specifically that day, you know, we've been singing about him. People have been singing about him and some never even met him. And seeing him being, uh, you know, celebrated and uh, and being the president of of the country at the time, being inaugurated, it just brought a sigh of relief a side of um, a feeling of excitement and freedom as well, you know, because a lot changed uh, post uh, the elections. Black people are perceived differently. Then I must say, uh, Victor, you know, we always want wanted to be one in the country. I think we uh, there was never a period where South Africans felt they were superior than any black South Africans, superior than any color in the country or anyone in the world for that matter, you know. We just wanted to live as one. And that day for South Africans was, um, there's a moment now where we'll be perceived and seen and be treated as human vis-a-vis during the apartheid era. So it, it was a day of freedom uh, to, a, to a large extent. And you mentioned that South Africa changed a lot. How specifically has South Africa changed in comparison to the South Africa of the apartheid era? A lot has changed. I think, uh, you know, as South Africans, much has been said now, you know, that things are not happening, which uh, rightfully said, you know, because we we got a slap on the face uh, when Mandela was inaugurated, when the ANC took over, um, that we are free. Uh, Little did we know that freedom is not just political freedom. Freedom is is, uh, is (laughs) economic freedom as well, you know. Uh, And and, and that's where I think we find ourselves. There's, There's a lot that changed. Opportunities have now been been leveled, and you know the PEE, which is uh, the correction measure that was put in place by government at the time, it's uh, it has built and, and created a lot of uh, middle class, uh, black middle class, and schooling uh, system. Uh, you know, black kids are now being admitted uh, into um, the so-called traditionally white uh, uh, schools, uh, and. Uh, uh, so a, a lot has changed, but again, I, I need to emphasize that much as uh, there has been change, there's that feeling in the country that, you know, we 
are not in control of the economy. And I think that's what, uh, that's where the price is now, you know, that uh, the sources we need to control key sectors of, uh, of the economy, not just controlling by the mere black uh, face uh, 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 control, but uh, to be inclusive, you know, to be part of uh, the decision making, you know, to be part of um, the growth, uh, of economic growth of the country, you know, to be part of the social economic correction of, uh, of, of, of this country. So, yes, a, a, a lot has changed, but, you know, I think the big prize is more on the economic uh, emancipation, which a lot of South Africans uh, uh, are still struggling with now. And, uh, and it's well documented that, you know, the country, uh, much as, you know, we, 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 we voted, we, we equal, uh, there's still those uh, areas in our society uh, that, uh, you know, have not really realized uh, the price uh, that they paid, which is the freedom that they fought very hard for. Uh, and and that, that that's painful to watch, you know, and, and, and until that happens, I think South Africans will still feel that they're not really 100% liberated and they're not in control of the country, so to say. And what was Mandela's inauguration a symbol of for the South African people? What did it symbolize exactly? It symbolized freedom. It symbolized uh, 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 resilience. It symbolized uh, uh, tenacity. It symbolized patience. It symbolized the humanity that South Africans, Black South Africans had. Uh, and I will say, maybe to a large extent, most South Africans, which the system did not uh, really promote that at that time. but. Uh, but Mandela just brought that rainbow nation as was uh, lauded by uh, Bishop Tutu. It brought that into South Africans. And, and South Africans are celebrating in general, you know, that we are one, uh, we are a rainbow nation, uh, and we need to work in unison and making sure that this country thrives. Uh, and, uh, and, and yeah, and, and for, for, I think for, for me and, and for a lot of South Africans, uh, it, 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 it really, you know, uh, it symbolized that. How would you say South Africans remember Mandela's inauguration and yourself personally? Do, do you celebrate it in a certain way, perhaps? Yes, uh, Mandela and, 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 and that era and, and, uh, and, and us of, uh, of uh, that era, um, I think they played their part. Mandela played his part. Uh, so was Artambo, so was all... Uh, the Rivola trialists and uh, the ones that got incarcerated. Yeah, it's it's um, it gets emotional uh, for some of us, you know, uh, when when the, you know the youngsters not really appreciate the the, the sacrifices that uh, uh, our elders uh, made in making sure that we live the life uh, that we're living now, you know, and uh, and we have access, you know, uh, without any discrimination to facilities to schools to universities and, and, and without being judged that you offer a certain color. Mandela, to, to some of us, I think uh, from our era and uh, our age group, um, he's, he's, he's our Moses. You know, um, he took us out of, you know, the suffering and, uh, and to a promised land. Um, but again, like I said to you earlier, um, it, it's the economy uh, that will make a difference. Um, the, the, the political emancipation, uh, which they played, you know, well appreciated, celebrated everywhere, 
but again, you know, it, it's economy uh, that that will make uh, that we should be, in fact, inheriting and making sure that um, uh, we 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 continue uh, with the struggle. I'm talking now about the generation, the generations to come, that we take the struggle forward and making sure that a black child and black people and black communities are economically um, uh, liberated. So, so they, they are celebrated, uh, but there's still that feeling uh, in South Africa that, you know, it, it's not enough. Uh, uh, it, it's, yes, politically we are in charge, but there's, there's, there's issues <laughs> uh, to say, uh, to say the least. So, uh, but yeah, he's well celebrated. Thanks. On a more personal note, how close were you to Mandela, if you knew him personally at all? Um, he he was our grandfather. Uh, he was our grandfather. Though sometimes it it, uh, it became a bit difficult to have access, because um, he was he was the son of the forest. You know, he, he was an agent of change, and and everyone wanted a piece of him. You know, uh, uh, so so it, 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 I, I would say the access to him was more the same as access to any South Africans uh, for that matter. You mentioned that he was your grandfather. Do you mean grandfather as in like actual, actual grandfather or was the story there? Yeah, no, no, it's an extended family, not not uh, direct. Uh, yeah, remember with, with the Matibas, Abachimbuchen, there's, uh, there's a huge, huge, uh, it's chains and chains. And, uh, and uh, in fact, his father and my great-grandfather were were uh, were very close cousins, um, and that's how and that's how we, you know, we became uh, very close. And so in Africa, in African, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, tradition, anyone family uh, that has the same name that uh, lived that uh, that that you grew up under, uh, they are your grandfather or your mother or your grandmother for that matter. So no, it wasn't direct, but. Yes, he's part of the family uh, uh, through my great-grandfather. Very, very interesting. Perhaps you could tell our listeners or, you know, explain how the whole family unit works back in South Africa and other African countries so that they can, so that they can better understand. There's nothing called cousins in Africa. <laughs> There's nothing called uh, 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 your, your stepdad or your stepmother. Uh, yeah, we... we, 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 we we are a family, you know. Uh, uh, my sister's uh, child, uh, children, they, they are my children, you know. Uh, there's nothing like a nephew or, or, or niece, you know. Uh, so so it's, it's uh, in an African culture, you know, uh, family. In fact, uh, you can be adopted by uh, your next door neighbor, for instance. Uh, if uh, <laughs> uh, they they can't call you their child, then you can call them mom or dad, uh, and that's how Ubuntu uh, extend to you know. And um, I, I know it's it, it's a word uh, that's uh, loosely uh, uh, used now, but Ubuntu emanates from that because you are, uh, you are because I am, or I am because you are, you know. And uh, and that's where the family thing, you know, the extension on how far even generations before you, uh, that still is your family, you know. Uh, we're from a royal family, and then when we have um, uh, rituals, uh, all the elders to be there, uh, whether direct or indirect, for a matter fact that they are the temples, they will be part of uh, uh, the ceremony, and they are elders of the family. When you get married, uh, and, and Lobolo has to be paid, 
you can choose any of the uncles or grandfathers to, to go and pay Lomola for you. So that's how uh, close we are, and that's how we see family uh, uh, in an African culture. And then, then, then that's, uh, hence, I'm, I'm able to claim my grandfather, I'm able to claim Mandela, I'm able to claim an extended family to say that is my grandfather. So by extension, it makes you part of that lineage and part of the DNA of the Temple tribe. Yeah, that's quite different from the nowadays common sort of European outlook on the nuclear family unit. Yeah, no, no, with, with Africa, we're all related, right? in a way. <laughs> not, not by blood uh, in some instances, but yeah, uh, there is uh, that relationship. That was Sipiwet Lomu and Peter Hamilton, who shared with us their personal experience of the elections and Mandela's inauguration. Two quite different perspectives on the same event. As Mr. Lomu pointed out, the inauguration was a symbol of freedom and victory against the apartheid regime, which, as Mr. Hamilton highlighted, was a product of British influence. Peter also noted that the children of South Africa need to come together with the older generation and create a united front to move forward in the future, which is a very relevant message to South Africa. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned to get the latest African opinions on events around the world and on the continent with Afro Verdict. Until next time. Afro Verdict. Brought to you by Sputnik Africa.